Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to House of Cards. Today, the game is different. I want to gamble. Gambling is a very serious business. Is that clear? Welcome to House of Cars. Dave Weishelder with you here deep from the swamps of Jersey. we got a great show coming up for you. You know, the last couple of years, daily fantasy sports have been everywhere. You've seen it on TV. Hey, you even heard me read commercials for them on this radio show. But do we really know what we're putting our money into? An amazing book has come out to show you what goes on behind the scenes in these big daily fantasy sports companies. The book is called Dueling with Kings, High Stakes, Killer Sharks, and the Get-Rich Promise of Daily Fantasy Sports. We have the author with us, Daniel Barbarisi, who was a former Yankee beat writer for the Wall Street Journal. He gave all that up to dive into the world of daily fantasy sports, and he wrote an incredible book about it. I couldn't put this book down. An absolute incredible story. So stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. Hey, this is Dave Weishadow from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of March 13th, 2023. The Muckleshoe Indian Tribe, which operates the Muckleshoe Casino, announced a multi-year deal with the National Hockey League Seattle Kraken. This is the first time a professional team of the four major sports leagues will wear the patch of a Native American tribe on their uniforms. The deal also includes more indigenous art at the Climate Pledge Arena, as well as the creation of hockey programs for indigenous youth in the area. The PGA Tour announced it has joined the leadership circle of the National Council on Problem Gambling. This month, the PGA Tour will roll out a multi-platform marketing campaign to support the Council's Problem Gambling Awareness Program. The marketing campaign launches this month since March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month. And finally, Aristocrat Gaming announced a multi-year sponsorship of the Formula One Heineken Silver Las Vegas Grand Prix. The deal makes Aristocrat the official slot machine of the Vegas race. The Grand Prix will be held on November 16th through the 18th on the Las Vegas Trip. I can't wait to check it out. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HSC Radio. You're listening to House of Cards. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. You know, over the last few years, daily fantasy sports has dominated the sports scene. A couple of years ago, you couldn't turn on the TV or radio without hearing one of the commercials. You know, I even had to read them for the show. But an amazing new book is taking us behind the scenes of this interesting world of daily fantasy sports. That book is Dueling with Kings, and the writer is Daniel Barbarisi, who was the Yankees beat writer for the Wall Street Journal. And we're lucky to have Daniel on the phone with us now. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Dan, first off, Dueling with Kings is an amazing, eye-opening book. And as I said before, you were already in the sports scene, but it took another sports writer to turn you on to daily fantasy sports. So how'd that come about? Yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, I hadn't really heard of, of daily fantasy sports at all until about 
April and May of 2015 when I was covering the Yankees uh, for the Wall Street Journal, as you noted. And um, another uh, sports writer, we were actually in the press box at Fenway Park, and another sports writer essentially showed me FanDuel, and I, I was struck by three immediate reactions. The first was, whoa, this is really fun. Uh, the second was, how on earth is this legal? <laughs> um, and the third was, uh, I'm going to make a ton of money on this. Um, so I was right on the first two in that it is a lot of fun as a game itself. The second is, it is crazy that it's legal at all. And that struck me in the same way it struck a lot of other people. Um, and then the third part I was definitely wrong about where I thought I was going to suddenly get rich quick because I was a baseball writer. And obviously I should be so good at this daily <laughs> fantasy sports baseball thing. Uh, and that part I was very, very wrong about. The first time I heard about Daily Fantasy Sports is I was given a script to read for the commercials for this show. I mean, the uh, FanDuel sent me a script. They they open up an account for me. They put money in the account. And they say, hey, you know what? Play every week. Um, talk about your personal experiences and then read the rest of the script. So that was my introduction to Daily Fantasy Sports. And the last time I heard about fantasy sports was, you know, guys getting together and doing a year-long uh, league and they had you know drafts and bars and basements and so your initial impression of daily fantasy sports was wow how how could this actually be legal and fun yeah i mean i think a lot of people came into it in a similar way to you uh where you know and i, I did as well that the, what we have the relationship with fantasy sports was exactly that picturing the guys you know sitting around you know you have your league I, i've been doing that kind of stuff since through the late 90s um, and it's just a, a fun leisure activity with your friends. And, you know, yes, there is technically a lot of the time money involved, but it's the kind of thing where you might win 200, 300 bucks at the end of the year. And, you know, it's pretty hard to call that gambling in any real sense, um, because the event frequency is just so low. Um, and the potential payoff, I think for the time invested is also incredibly low. Um, but you know, with daily fantasy sports, that all changed in an instant, you know, where you're, Redoing this event every day, you can put in entries to literally hundreds of contests at any one time if needed, and it's just a completely different game. It, it is, it was to me an obvious gambling game, and that's I think what struck many people. Um, but that's when, you know, when it all started to really hit the scene, and you know, when you were doing those readouts uh, and advertisements and all that for the in the summer of 2015, yep, yep. which was when that ad blitz really started to hit, <laughs> that was when I was kind of trying to figure out the whole thing and see, okay, where did this come from? How did this happen? What is it? And, and at that time, I was trying to figure out, you know, really, is this whole thing on the level? Is this okay? Is it, you know, is it the kind of thing we should be concerned about? Is it you know, because again, I did certainly tell it was fun, but I could also tell there were a lot of things wrong under the hood where the thing had grown so fast that there were no controls in place and no certainly regulations in governing it and nothing around it basically saying, okay, this is something where you could feel yourself as the consumer using it, that you know everything is protected, that everything is clear and, you know, everything is, is kind of safe for you to be in this space. And that's one of the things that struck me right away. And what made me want to do the book about it was that when I was kind of diving into it and I was suffering a lot of early losses, I was seeing a lot of things that were very, very weird to me. A lot of things that really struck me in strange ways. And a lot of those were kind of things that would eventually come out in larger mass media. Um, and people would also notice this stuff and say, oh, hey, 
a lot of this is not normal. A lot of this is probably not good. We should probably take a look into this. And so that's what I was experiencing at the time. And that's a lot of stuff that's in the early parts of the book is recognizing early on that there was a lot of stuff wrong with this, that despite the fact this was a lot of fun and kind of a cool game, you know, it was a bit of a Wild West environment. And there were a lot of things that really needed to be changed about it. Now, I split my time between New Jersey and Boston, and I'm familiar with your wife, Emily Benjamin. And in my opinion, she's one of the best uh, sports writers in the country. What was your conversation? Well, thank you on her behalf. Yeah. What was your conversation like when you told her, you know what, I want to quit my job and devote all my time to playing daily fantasy sports? <laughs> it, it was really more of a conversation of I want to quit my job and devote my time to writing a book about this insane world. And so that was something she could certainly get behind. Okay. And her her concept, you know, and her reaction was, yeah, I see that this thing is nuts. And, you know, I, I said, I, I, I think the best way to tell this story is to really live it full time and to be involved in it full time and to really be inside this thing. And that's the best way to get the best narrative about it and get the way to really tell what's going on with this. And she was supportive of that. And I will say, by the time I actually quit my job, we're about, you know, kind of is halfway through the narrative of the book. Um, by that time, everything had gone crazy, and it was kind of well-proven that I was really deep inside the whole thing. So, I mean, I don't think I would have, she would have been okay with it, or that I would have done it if I had just said it from the start. You know, if, if kind of where the book picks up in May of 2015, where I discover it in, you know, the Family Park Press box, if I'd come home that day and said, hey, sweetie, I think I'm going to go quit my job and be a DFS player full-time, and maybe I'll write something about it. Would she have said, yeah, that's a great idea. But by the time the Wall Street Journal actually kind of forced me to make that decision um, by saying, you know, well, you can do the book or you can be the Yankees beat writer, but you can't do both. Uh, it was, you know, six or seven months into it, and I was already pretty well established in the DFS world. And uh, I think by that time, it seemed like less of a crazy thing, but still a little crazy. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of worry there, and she was definitely, you know, had to take a leap of faith in trusting me that this was all going to turn out okay. But, uh, you know, I think relatively speaking, it did. So, um, yeah, we look back on that as a positive decision. Okay. See, I'm a fan of you for just pulling that part of it off. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Attention. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, the IRS is cracking down by hiring 87,000 new agents to garnish your paycheck and put liens on homes and businesses. They can even seize your bank account. The IRS calls it enforced compliance, and now they have the manpower to get you. Penalties and interest on unpaid taxes compound daily. So call One Stop Tax Relief Shop and get the IRS off your back. They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. Call 800-353-2174. 800-353-2174. One Stop Tax Relief has resolved thousands of cases since 2014 and saved clients millions of dollars. Call now for a free consultation. Get the IRS off your back. Call 800-353-2174. 800-353-2174. 
Get ready, Pennsylvania, to take the best poker games with you on the go anywhere in Pennsylvania with the World Series of Poker Real Money Online Poker app. For over 50 years, the World Series of Poker has been the most trusted name in poker. Now it's your chance to win WSOP circuit rings and WSOP bracelets from anywhere in the Commonwealth. And WSOP.com has a great new sign-up offer for its Pennsylvania players. Download the app or go to WSOP.com and sign up using our bonus code CARDS21. You'll get $25 in free play just for signing up. Get another $25 with your first deposit. That's $50 free play just by signing up and depositing with WSOP.com. And don't forget to use our code CARDS21 at registration. Become a poker champion with an authentic WSOP experience right from the comfort of your own home or anywhere in the Keystone State. Download the WSOP app or go to WSOP.com and sign up today. The cards are in the air at WSOP.com. Must be 21 years or older. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to the House of Cards. Nice. Nice. Not thrilling, but nice. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaud with you. House of Cards is brought to you by Drizzly. Your online liquor store. Available in over 95 cities across North America, Drizzly offers a huge selection and competitive pricing with a side of personalized content. Now there's no need to leave the house. Get alcohol delivered in less than an hour by Drizzly. Head on over to drizzly.com and order today. And now get $5 off your first order of $20 or more when using promo code DRINK19 at checkout. Shop beer, wine, and liquor with drizzly.com. For those of you just joining us, we are talking with Daniel Barbarisi, author of Dueling with Kings, which is an incredible look inside the world of daily fantasy sports. When you jumped into the world of daily fantasy sports, it appeared that initially maybe people weren't too enthusiastic about speaking with you. Is that correct? Were they pretty guarded on what they said to you first off? You know, it's funny. It went through two phases. Um, Initially, they were extremely happy to talk to me. Because it was before everything had really gone crazy, you know, with the quote-unquote Ethan Haskell scandal in the fall of 2017, which was when, um, you know, one of the employees at DraftKings, a guy named Ethan Haskell, was accused of a quote-unquote insider trading, yeah. using information from, you know, from his company to bet on uh, events at FanDuel. And, I, you know, from what I've dealt with, I don't think that was something he was doing. But it certainly exposed a situation where, there were no controls over anything, and it's the kind of thing that easily could have happened because the situation was so, you know, wild west and so all over the place. And, you know, the ridiculous initial situation of companies, of employees of one company being able to bet on the other one's site, which seemed like an obvious no-brainer that you should not be able to do that. But stuff like that was happening all the time. I mean, I mean technically, so, that, that wasn't illegal. I think it just, did it just look no, bad? No, no. Yeah, I mean, nothing they did really was illegal per se. Mm-hmm. It was all just extremely, I would say, improper. Um, you know, emblematic of a situation where these companies had grown well beyond any ability for them to regulate themselves. And, you know, people were just kind of doing whatever they could get away with. Uh, a lot of things that would not be technically illegal, but would certainly not pass the sniff test. And there was a lot of that kind of stuff all over the place, as I kind of try to deal with in the book. Uh, but... So initially, before any of that happened, they loved talking to me because they were essentially saying, "We're well, look, we're so big, we're growing so fast, everybody loves us. Then as soon as the asshole stuff happened, everybody shut down in a major way. Uh, and everyone was very worried. Although at that point, 
I was already kind of on the inside because I had started this project, you know, before everything went crazy. And so when a lot of other media came out of the woodwork looking to talk to these people, they were not allowed in at all. And I was able to get some level of access because people trusted me from being in from before everything went wrong. And so, you know, I wasn't really viewed as some Johnny come lately who was looking to take advantage of the scandal. They were more like, okay, well, this guy's been in for a while already. We'll talk to you. Although it definitely became harder from that point on to get any real, you know, access with some people. And some were very wary, you know, and, and were hard to deal with throughout. But I think generally speaking, it, it did go in two phases. And then, uh, you know, that allowed me to kind of have the insider access that a lot of other people were not allowed to get just because I was on scene earlier. You, you mentioned laws, and uh, in the book you mentioned one law, the Unlawful Internet Gaming Enforcement Act, or the UIGEA, which outlawed online poker. Now, was that the spark that helped grow fantasy sports, and was that also the specter that people thought that could do us in? Yeah, a little both. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I, I caution away from using the word fantasy sports when describing all of this. In my opinion, you know, the industry wants you to do that. But the reality is that, you know, season-long traditional fantasy sports and daily fantasy sports are two very different animals. Or one is really a mutant strain of the other. They're being daily, like, the mutated version of, of season-long. Season-long being the one we're kind of all familiar with, you know, with all the dudes in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's the UIGA is what mutated that game. It's exactly what happened. You know, and so what happened was in 2006, uh, they sought to ban, you know, the U.S. government, federal government, sought to ban online poker, and they were largely successful in doing so, even though it took a while to kind of really bear fruit. But with UIGA, they, they knocked online poker out effectively. And at that time, the, you know, the sports leagues, I was worried that was going to lead to the eradication of their very pleasant and really not thought of as any sort of a problem, season-long fantasy sports hobby industry, which is, you know, small but growing at the time. And so... The authors of that bill, UIGA, put in a, a, a provision, a carve-out that said, in this online poker barring bill, fantasy sports are exempted. They're okay. And so fantasy was really protected. Now, what happened was right after that, some really smart guys took a look at that law, and they said, hey, wait, if I build a game to the exact tenets of this carve-out, I can create essentially nationalized, legalized sports gambling around fantasy sports. And that was correct. And it was legal. And so that's where daily fantasy sports was born, you know, essentially in the spring of 2007. And it kind of took off, it trickled, took off slowly. But once people realized over a few years, oh, wait, this is legal. This is okay. And no one's going to come bust us at the federal level. You know, big money started to get behind it. And the companies, particularly FanDuel at first, really started to grow. And so, you know, that was what allowed it to go forward. And I think it generally has been protected at the federal level. The problem these companies had was that there were no protections built in at the state level. And UIGEA protected them pretty well, you know, nationally, but it did nothing for the United States. And the federal government has traditionally left gambling law up to the states. So, you know, depending on what your state laws were, in some states, DFS was, was in pretty good shape. And in about half of the rest, it was on fairly shaky legal ground. And that's what we've seen over the last year or two is these states fight it out. Or pardon me, these, uh, these companies, FanDuel and DraftKings, fight it out in the states where they're on shaky legal ground, that roughly half of states. And those are the ones where you've seen attorney generals come after them and, you know, a big fight in the state of New York, which yeah. is one of the things I really detail in the book. Um, and, you know, they, those, the companies won that fight, 
which is what has allowed them to stay in business. But they've also had a lot of other tough ones in places like Texas, where they're kind of half operating, and Florida, where they're operating, but they probably are in a little bit of a shaky legal environment if they if somebody decides to press the issue, or places like um, you know states where they're actually banned right now, places where they don't have positive legal footing, and so they are you know want to stay out of. Mm-hmm. Now, when you entered the world of daily fantasy, uh, there were two really big players in the field. That was DraftKings and FanDuel, and you seemed to have much more contact with Nigel Eccles from FanDuel. What was his business philosophy regarding daily fantasy? Uh, I think he just saw it as, as an incredible growth opportunity. You know, I mean, Nigel was an entrepreneur, and he saw a chance to grow a business. You know, Nigel was not a sports guy. He's not somebody, you know... Uh, he did come from the English kind of betting industry, but I don't really see him as that kind of, you know, as a gambling industry guy per se, in that I, I think whatever he does next may not be in that space. Um, but, you know, he is a very interesting guy. And, you know, I think I referred to him in the book as kind of the Henry Ford of the industry, mm-hmm. whereas he didn't come up with the original idea, but he made it something that was able to be consumed by the masses. And so, very interesting guy, very smart guy, one who really grew the industry into, you know, what it was in the step before it was today. And then the arrival of DraftKings in 2012 is what really turbocharged it. And that's the Boston-based company, um, you know, that was founded by Jason Robbins, Matt Kalish, and Paul Lieberman. And those guys really took on FanDuel and were willing to push the envelope in a lot of ways that FanDuel was not, in kind of pushing the legal boundaries of what UIGA allowed and being much more aggressive and really going after the poker crowd and, and really trying to grow the industry in ways that FanDuel was sometimes hesitant to do. And, you know, at the time, FanDuel and people who were kind of... The, the industry became very factionalized in that those who supported DraftKings and their push to grow, grow, grow at all costs, and those who were kind of more on the FanDuel train of, we should take it slower, this growth is going to get us in trouble. And I think both were right in that DraftKings was right in that they were able to push and be more aggressive than I think FanDuel realized they could be in terms of offering other types of games like golf and stuff like that, and that they probably should have gone after the poker crowd. And FanDuel was right in that they recognized that the growth that DraftKings was pushing for was going to get them all in trouble, and that they were trying to grow too fast and too hard, and that's what really screwed the industry up, was when you know DraftKings wanted to advertise FanDuel into oblivion, FanDuel had to fight back, and that created the advertising war that led to the level of scrutiny that ticked everybody off. You know, <laughs> the ads really, you know, the ads aggravated everyone, and that made it such that when there was a desire to look into this industry and to say, hey, there are some things that are wrong here, there was a national appetite to, you know, snack these guys on the bottom because they were so annoying by that point. Their ads were everywhere. And, you know, there was a real, you know, siding for other for, you know, looking at these guys and saying, let's see them get their comeuppance because they did grow so fast. And the advertising was so pernicious and pervasive that, you know, people were happy to see them um, get knocked down a peg. Yeah, I had to do four or five a week. I was like, boy, how, how many do they want for me? <laughs> and, I, and you were benefiting. Yeah, no. <laughs> hey, I was like, wow, they're really overdoing it. But, hey, I wasn't. No yeah. problem with me. But uh Okay, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side.
Every 40 seconds, a kid is reported missing. Find the Children provides educational material that teaches your kids how to recognize and avoid predators. Our recovery programs are very successful in bringing kids back home to their family. You can help protect our kids and bring the missing kids home safe by donating your unwanted car, truck, SUV, or van. Running or not, we guarantee you will receive the maximum tax deduction. We provide fast free pickup, usually within 24 hours. Over 2,000 kids are reported missing every day. Call now to donate your vehicle. Donate now to bring this kids home safe. Call 800-706-6060, 800-706-6060. Some people like knocking boots. Hard to do. While others get lucky. And some just get it on. No matter how you do it or what you call it, Adam and Eve makes your whoopee hot. With 50% off almost any one sexy item, just enter offer code BOOTS2 at checkout and get 50% off plus 10 free gifts, including free shipping. First, get busy with a gift for you. Shake the sheets with something exciting for them and hit a home run with a third item you'll both enjoy. Sounds like someone hit the sweet spot. Plus six free bonus gifts that'll make you say, about chicka wow wow Adam and Eve is tapping that offer. Oh yeah. With 50% off and 10 free gifts, including free shipping. Use offer code BOOTS2 at adamandeve.com now. That's offer code BOOTS2. Boots 2. Boots 2 at adamandeve.com. You're listening to House of Cards. Check out our website at houseofcardsradio.com. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishaddle with you. House of Cards is brought to you by Drizzly, your online liquor store. Available in over 95 cities across North America, Drizzly offers a huge selection and competitive pricing with a side of personalized content. Now there's no need to leave the house. Get alcohol delivered in less than an hour by Drizzly. Head on over to drizzly.com and order today. And now get $5 off your first order of $20 or more when using promo code DRINK19 at checkout. Shop beer, wine, and liquor with drizzly.com. For those of you just joining us, we are talking with Daniel Barbarisi, author of Dueling with Kings, which is an incredible look inside the world of daily fantasy sports. The players you described were incredibly interesting as well. I mean, those guys partied like rock stars. They had the best clubs, best restaurants. They partied at the Playboy Mansion. And I think one of the most interesting was your mentor. I guess you called himself Beep on the Jeep. Now, is he the one that really gave you the most insight on how to really play daily fantasy? Yeah, and Beef Jay Rayner, a guy, a really wonderful guy, uh, lives near Toronto. Uh, he's a really interesting and kind of very well-known guy within that you know world within the DFS space, and he's one of the kind of original big-time pros in this, which you know really only takes you about five or six years, but that does make him pretty old school in this. And so he kind of volunteered, or not volunteered, but I asked him to mentor me, and that's what really brought me into that world in a major way. And so he took me really under the hood and. Um, was able to get to know a lot of the top, top players from kind of being with him and living with him for a very brief time and 
you know, really seeing how it all works behind the scenes. Um, and so, yeah, he took me in and really, I learned a tremendous amount from him. And, you know, he, he kind of mentored me in, in fantasy hockey, which I thought was going to be a tremendously stupid thing to do. I was a baseball writer. I thought I was going to be a big baseball expert. And then, of course, I was proven wrong because I didn't understand the game itself is not just about understanding baseball. It's understanding systems and game theory and how to game the game itself. And, um, you know, he taught me a lot of that. But he said, you know, a lot of reasons you're not doing well in baseball is that you need to wipe the slate clean of your kind of preconceived notions. And I want to start you from scratch with something you don't really know anything about, which is fantasy hockey. And so I said, that sounds absolutely crazy. I haven't paid attention to hockey since the 94 Rangers. But he said, no, that's a great idea. And amazingly, he was proven correct. Yeah, boy. Uh, and you, then I did, you know, I don't want to give too much away. But I, yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to give it all away. But yeah, I, I became pretty good at it. Uh, and then I think does, you know, it was a pretty crazy story, I think. But it also speaks to the idea of, you know, what that, world is like, which is that, you know, it is much more a math game with a sports facade than really a sports game per se, I think. I think that's and, what, that's um, what really shocked me. It was, it, it didn't seem like they were real big sports fans, but this was almost like an academic <laughs> exercise because they really never watched the games they had money on, which was shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, some guys do and some guys don't. But uh, certainly a lot of the big-time pros think that it's very detrimental to watch to what's called sweat the games full-time. And I certainly experienced that as well. You know, I mean, when you're watching those games, you know, you can really drive yourself crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the the swings, the emotional swings of going up and down, you know, hundreds to thousands of dollars in any one moment, um, you know, with the crack of a bat or, you know, one shot one way or the other on a court or on ice. I mean, it, it will drive you crazy if you do it for too long. And a lot of the top guys recognize that, and they try to really actively stay away mm-hmm. from sweating the games, but it's very hard to do so. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a real emotional roller coaster, and they know that. You know, as you saw in the book, I deal with some of the problem gambling issues that, you know, have arisen from this and, you know, that, that plague this world. And the companies, I think, are better about that stuff now, but it's always going to be a part of it. No question about it. I was really amazed at some of the other techniques these guys use to play. The use of algorithms was shocking to me. How would these top players use these computer programs to make their picks? What it really is is just kind of streamlining what takes you a while to do. So, I mean, what would happen is if, so, you know, if you're doing your picks, say you look at whatever bunch of stats, whether it's, you know, individual, let's, you know, we'll do a baseball example. Let's say it's, it's maybe like the Vegas odds for how many runs the team is going to score that day. Or how, what a player's done averages in his last 10 games. Or if you want to really drill down to it, what his exit velocity is on, on balls to right field, what his launch angle is. You can get really technical in drilling down to a lot of the stats. But doing those things is too wild. So, you know, and you kind of have to repeat that process every day for every player if you really want to cast a wide net. So a lot of top players started doing, a lot of these guys are very, very, very computer savvy. Um, They would kind of systemize that. They would build an algorithm that would say, okay, they would throw in a bunch of stats, a bunch of the stats that you, whoever the individual player were, thought were valuable, and put weighted averages on each of those and say, okay, I think that, you know, recent slugging percentage is worth this much. And I think that, the chance to steal a base is worth this much. And I think that, say, the platoon advantage in baseball 
righty hitter, say, versus a lefty pitcher is worth this much. And I'm going to give all those things kind of a weight. And I'll put them all into this, this big pot, and I'll stew it up. And then at the end of the day, my algorithm, my program will spit out a number. And it'll say, this player is the best rating that day. And then if the guy wants to, he can then pick that player because his, his system, his model has told him he thinks it's the best chance that day. Now, the reality is, if you make a crappy model, if you weight things wrong, if you're looking at the wrong numbers, your algorithm is not going to be good. It's going to help you to lose, not to win. But over time, a lot of these guys refined these algorithms to the point where they were really, really effective. And that allowed them to essentially then drop in, you know, massively impressive lineups at the drop of a hat. They could literally generate them instantly. And so what then happened is in the daily fantasy system, if you have one good lineup, you can put that lineup in everywhere. And you can then create variations on it if you have the ability to create multiple entries of those excellent lineups. You can then create 150 best and most effective lineups and throw them into a tournament and have them drop in on mass and create a tremendous advantage for yourself. Or even as money as 500 highly intelligent computer-generated algorithm-created lineups. And that's when things really ticked me off which is that, okay, I don't mind that these players are necessarily doing this, but the companies allowed them to leverage that advantage to what I thought was a very, very unhealthy degree for the kind of average player like me. And so that's one of the things that really bothered me about it. I think that's one of the things that bothered a lot of people about the way the daily fantasy industry was when I first got into it, 2015 or so. Now, they've made a lot of improvements since then to cut down, on I think, a lot of the mass multi-entry stuff. Um, but you know, it's still definitely a problem and it's the kind of situation where, you know, if you're the average person getting into it, you have to know that you're dealing with a playing field that is very, very tough on you where the best players are very, very, very good. And, you know, you're going to face an uphill battle to, you know, get rich quick as the commercials led you to believe you could do. I got to tell you, I read that part and I was looking at it. I was like, wow, I didn't stand a chance <laughs> when I was playing. For it, I was like, wow, boy. Uh, you also mentioned, which was also against the rules, is collusion. Did you see a lot of that? I mean, I, I know there was one part in the book where I believe it was the hockey finals where one guy was going around showing his lineup. Um, I don't know if that mm-hmm. rose yep. to the level of collusion but was did you see a lot of collusion when you were in that world? Not a lot, no. Um, some examples of it. And, you know, it's funny because it's kind of thing where, okay, it's it's you know, very much the pornography definition. You know, yeah. you don't know exactly how to describe it, but you know when you see it. And there are a lot of things where, you know, they are in a gray area, and it's like, okay, if two friends are talking about a lineup, that's fine. And even if, for instance, there's two brothers, these guys, Chipotle, Attic, and Papa Gates, who are two of the highest-level players, and they put in very similar lineups a lot of the time because they worked on their original algorithms and models together. But it's very hard to prove, and people don't know if they are actually colluding. They've been accused of it, and I'm not sure if they are or not. But um, it's very hard to prove if they are because, okay, how do you figure that out? You know, I think what would be collusion is if two people were working together and their lineups actually didn't end up overlapping at all. And that would be a way of circumventing the entry limits that have been put on these contests, you know, saying essentially you can't put in more than 150 entries by yourself because that would be an advantage. 
And if two people then put in two very similar sets of lineups but didn't have any overlap, where you then essentially get 300 unique, very effective lineups that are built around the same groups of players, that would be a type of collusion. And I think with those guys, for instance, that's what people were looking for. And I'm not sure if that really was the case then with them. It's very hard to say. I'm not in a position to really say whether they were or weren't or what the actual uh, outcomes were in that specific case. But that kind of stuff would be the collusion that people were talking about, what they were worried about and fearful of. And so, you know, there are examples of that kind of stuff, people at least being worried about it, and examples certainly of high-level players, groups of them kind of working in, in you know, uh, cohorts to try to create the best and you know, best lineups. And, it, you know, legally or even by the, you know, when I say legal, I mean by the terms of the site, it's hard to say where the line is crossed. But certainly, you know, there are groups where, three or four very, very effective players play somewhat as a team and share information and share concepts and lineups. And, yeah, that's another thing that if you're the little guy, that'll probably tick you off. And, um, you know, it certainly is one of the things that bothered me initially. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, it goes on in this world, and it's definitely hard to police it when it's at the less collusive level and more just at the, hey, these are smart guys working together. It's like, okay, can you really stop that? I don't know. Um, the sites definitely try to clamp down on the actual collusion stuff, but um, you know the the really effective players working as in a team format. That's harder to figure out where you draw the line on that, and that's something I think they're certainly struggling with to this day. Now, players seem to have their own kind of uh, language. You know, there was chalk, contrarian, stacking, and like like I said, you you became very successful in hockey. Were these some of the strategies you used for your success in daily fantasy sports? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tried to use, you know, whatever beep would, and other people would teach me. And I tried to understand the, the best individual methods of doing this, you know, while not doing anything that was, would be ever considered wrong, but just understanding how, how these guys would play and how to do it. Now, I never, I was never a mass multi-entry guy. I never really effectively used an algorithm or anything like that. I tried to do it kind of, what I would call the quote-unquote right way, you know, and whatever, that's a little bit high-minded of me. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I tried to just take his teachings and get good with them as, as the way I could. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's funny, you know, you do certainly become immersed in it over time and really come to, to live that world. And, you know, uh, I'd like to think I became very fluent in all of it, but that was the idea, was to become one of these guys in order to tell the story of what life is like in there. I was also surprised that, like in poker, players bought other players' action. And so how was this used in Daily Fantasy? Yeah, that was something that really surprised me. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't, you know, you guys know poker a lot better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know even that was a thing that went on in that world. Um, and so until then, when when Beep started trying to buy and sell my action, uh, and so, you know, he got behind me in certain ways and, and would back me and, and stake me at times, and then also wanted a piece of me. And when I started winning money, I was actually winning him a lot of money um, at the time. And I just had no idea that was going on at all in the larger world. And I think, you know, that's something where, you know, if you go to one of these big daily fantasy finals and people are holding up the giant check and all that, you know, I mean, yeah, like the, the guys who are winning them are winning a lot of the time a very small percentage of it because so many of them swap and sell their action to each other. And I think the companies don't love talking about that because it diminishes the idea that, Hey, this guy just hit it big, rich, you know, hit it big here and got rich quick. But, um, you know, that's a big, big part of this world. And, 
you know, there's a whole subculture of swapping and selling and who's got a piece of who and who's got what action that goes on behind the scenes. And that, like, fascinated the heck out of me. I just had no idea that was happening uh, until I was really part of it. Yeah, that was eye-opening. Now, like you said, the real battleground for, for Daily Fantasy really became New York. So what was Attorney General Eric Schneiderman's position when it came to Daily Fantasy? Um, I mean, his position was, this is gambling, and it's obvious. And there's nothing different about this in a lot of ways than online poker. And we don't allow online poker in the state of New York, so why on earth would we allow this? And, um, you know, first a court agreed with him. And, you know, there were all these discussions, and, and there was a protest, which I attended outside his office, and all this back and forth over game of skill and, you know, game of chance and all that. And at the end of the day, his argument was that doesn't really matter. And what really matters is this has all the tenets of a gambling operation, which we regulate similar to others in the state of New York. And, you know, again, the lower courts certainly agreed with him for a time. And uh, what happened was it went to higher levels of courts, went to appeals. And eventually uh, the companies made a deal with him to pull out of the state of New York pending uh, a legislation in the New York state legislature. And so that was essentially a short-term defeat for them but they believed they could win in the legislature in the long term and get themselves legalized explicitly in New York. And they turned out to be right. And that's kind of one of the last things I cover in the book, which is the legal fight over how the New York legislation was passed, which really came down to the wire and was very much a crazy you know, sequence of events. Yeah, you kind of see how the sausage is made yeah, politics-wise. Yeah. That was almost 2 o'clock in the morning, right? That was the last vote of the session, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was not actually the last specific vote, but it was one of the last few um, in the legislative session for 2016 before New York finished up. And, you know, it really, truly did come down to the wire. Uh, and, you know, daily fantasy people were sweating it out nationwide because they knew that whatever way New York went was how this industry was going to go. And so when New York happened, um, you know, it really was truly a last minute thing and it was expected not to pass at the last second. And then it kind of you know, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, and Daily Fantasy was allowed to survive. And, uh, yeah, it was really a pretty crazy, you know, I don't give too much away about how that all happened in there, but it's a pretty crazy sequence of events, and to kind of see how that all happens at the assembly level uh, was very eye-opening as well. Daniel, we're running out of time. Can you tell everyone where to get Dueling with Kings and any other website you have to promote? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can really get it pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, order it on Amazon, buy it at Barnes & Noble, you know, your local bookstore hopefully should have it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Dueling with Kings, High Stakes, Killer Sharks, and the Get Rich Promise of Daily Fantasy Sports. I am, uh, Dan Barbarisi. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Barbarisi or go to my website, danbarbarisi.com. And again, uh, just, yeah, please go buy Dueling with Kings, uh, wherever you'd like. Give it an Amazon order and I really hope you enjoy it. Tell me what you think. Yeah. Like I said, the name of the book is Dueling with Kings by author Daniel Barbarisi, which is an amazing look into the world of Daily Fantasy Sports. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. All right, dude. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Auto Accident Help Desk is a marketing agency connecting callers with attorneys. Providers pay a fee for advertising services. I love getting my kids ready and driving them to school. But a careless driver can change your life in an instant. And insurance companies want to settle on the cheap. Auto Accident Help Desk connects victims with powerful lawyers. They fight for you. 
I called Auto Accident Help Desk and got help for my pain and suffering. Don't let an insurance company take advantage of you. Our attorneys fight and beat big insurance every day. Call 800-297-9766. 800-297-9766. If you've been injured in an automobile accident in the last six months, you owe it to yourself to make this free call with no obligation. We're available 24-7 to help you get the money you deserve for your pain and suffering. Auto Accident Help Desk helps accident victims like you every day. Call 800-297-9766. 800-297-9766. If you don't have final expense life insurance, this message is for you. LifeCare provides valuable information about whole life insurance to help cover final expenses, medical bills, burial costs, and other final expenses. A final expense life insurance policy is fast and available to anyone between the ages of 50 and 80. No medical exam, no lengthy questionnaires, and no waiting period. Just answer a few questions and we'll do the rest. With the average funeral costing $9,420 and Social Security only paying $255, you need simple peace of mind for you and your whole family. Don't leave behind unpaid expenses. Your premium will never increase. Your policy will have a cash value and a death benefit that can never decrease. To find out how you can get final expense life insurance with a lifetime lock, call LifeCare at 800-459-8822. That's 800-459-8822. People gotta win sometimes. Oh, if you'll excuse me, I have a giant colorful check to deposit. Bean the House is brought to you by BetMGM Casino. Play your favorite casino games at BetMGM Online Casino. Slots, table games, live dealer games, everything you love about Atlantic City and Vegas, all online at BetMGM. Don't wait. Join in the fun now. Go to BetMGM Casino, create an account using our promo code TURNPIKE, and become a verified player. New players get $25 free when signing up, plus a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code TURNPIKE at BetMGM.com for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 plus $25 free. Grab a lion's share of the fun at BetMGM.com. Must be 21 years or older to place a bet. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome to another edition of Beating the House. I'm Doug Weishettle here with Dave Weishettle. We're here to give you a crisscrossing of the country going through the different slot jackpots, table games, casinos, lottery, uh, basically anything that has a jackpot worth of $100,000 or more. We're going to be talking about it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of jackpots. A lot of jackpots this week. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we've got at least a dozen jackpots to possibly hit in the time a lot. Really? Here. Yeah, I'm going to try we're, and hit them all. We're going to run out of time. Yeah, we're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of time. Press releases. We're going to start off right off the bat. We're going to a casino located 17 miles east of a town called State Line, Nevada. Okay. It's actually in the town of Minden, Nevada. And those familiar with the area? So there's a town called State Line. I'm assuming yep. it's right on the state line. Yes, exactly. So yes, did did they just figure? Uh, you know what? We're not going to figure out a creative name for this. We're no. just going to take the road sign. It says State Line. We'll just call ourselves State Line. Hey, they're they're lucky they didn't name state it uh, Welcome to Nevada. Yeah, you know, right. Because it's right there. But we're going to Minden, Nevada, which is <laughs> right next the, to it. A town named Resumed Speed. Exactly. Uh, we're going to the Carson Valley Inn Casino where a visitor 
won $3.2 million. Wow. $3,274,537 playing, yes, Wheel of Fortune slot machine. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a money machine. Yes. She was staying there at the, at the casino, decided to play a couple of spins while waiting for people and waiting for her family members. They were there for a birthday party. Okay. So she put in her money and uh, $3,274,537. Congratulations on that wow. one. You have any stories you've done, people yes. waiting for other people to get ready? <laughs> well, just that's usually around. when it happens. Oh, boy. What, what a great story. Yeah, we, we should collate all those stories. <laughs> uh, we're staying in Nevada for the next one. We've got the Win Las Vegas. We have a Vegas local playing the Dragon Link slots at the Win. Okay. According to the press release, the player has p accidentally put the maximum bet on the machine for this. Ooh, it was an accident, huh? Yes. Okay. Well, claims to have. They don't know. That, that could make just a story. But I'm, I'm just a saying. a good story. I'm just saying. It said the, the report said claims to okay. have. Well, I'm here, for, I'm here for the good stories. So. Okay. I just yeah. never would bet $2,500 on wow. a slot machine. Oh, boy. So okay. maybe it was accidental. I don't know. But wow. lucky for her, the Dragon Link slot payout of $1,112,695 was hers. Wow. Yep. Good for her. Well, what, a, what a lucky mistake if that was exactly. a mistake. What so. a great accident. Yeah. Happy accidents. Yep. Uh, leaving uh, Nevada, we're going to Mississippi now. Natchez, Mississippi. All right. We've got the Magnolia Bluffs Casino. By the way, very beautiful casino. It's very nice setup, everything else down there. Uh, we have a uh, local person becoming a millionaire over the weekend. Great. We have our third million-dollar jackpot. How about wow. that? Wow. And we're not done. Uh, we have a jackpot from the Magnolia Bluffs Casino. Mm -hmm. She was playing the Buffalo Grand. That's the other one that pays out all <laughs> yeah. the time. A $3.75 bet to win $1,111,759.20. That's the slot machine I usually see first when I walk onto a gaming yes. floor. They usually have the big cabinets. It's the big buffalo. I know it makes a lot of noise and a yep. lot of great uh, sound effects. So. Well, we have IGT with Wheel of Fortune. Now we have Aristocrat with the Buffalo Grand. Okay. Uh, going to Kansas now, Mayetta, Kansas, the Prairie Band Casino and Resort. Okay. Stephen L., Won a million-dollar Royal Flush jackpot at the Prairie Band. He was playing uh, the Ultimate Texas Hold'em table game. Okay. He put a $5 progressive side bet on it, and he hit the Royal Flush. He was dealt four of a kind earlier in the day, mind you. Mm -hmm. And while he was playing Texas Hold'em, he won the minor progressive earlier in the day. Okay. Late, less than four hours later, he's playing again, and he was dealt the King and Jack of Hearts. The flop came to the Ace of Hearts, Queen of Hearts, and the Ten of Hearts giving him the Royal Flush. Wow. So Good for him. He won two jackpots in the same day, four hours apart. And he won, and let me get the number correct here, we have $3.9 <laughs> Okay. Yes. Boy, these seem high this week. Well, I'm what, collating what, good ones here. Wow. What, what is everyone heading for the casinos we, last week? What we was going on? We have our there first. There was a holiday last week, yes, right? Yes. Okay. We, right. Want, we have our first non-million dollar winner here, this next one. Non-million. Non-million dollar. Okay. We're going to the Hard Rock in Atlantic City. Okay. Tony L. of Jersey City. All oh, right. That's a Jersey name for you I right like there. Tony, Tony L. L. Won $766,499.85 on a $1 wide area progressive Wheel of Fortune. Wow, another Wheel of Fortune, huh? Yep. 
So uh, congratulations to Tony there. That is a great jackpot to have in Atlantic City. Yeah. Going back across the country now, we're going to Nevada again. We've got Caesars Palace. We've got a guest hitting $401,000 playing video video poker. Okay. Uh, this was early Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, amazing. $401,000. Look, a lot of people yep. win on video poker. I'm just not a video poker guy. I, I do video poker when, you know, sit at the bar yep. and you want a beer and stuff like that. And you're playing video poker because it's like right in front of you. Yep. So, But that's when I play video poker. But there are people winning lots of money in video poker. Well, we're going now up to Reno Sparks. Okay. Um, I'm blowing right through these because we got so much to Good, get to go, today. Good, go, go, uh, go. Reno Sparks region, we have the Legends Bay Casino. We have, by the way, this guy's name is the perfect name for a gambler. All right. Gene Profit. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it, should be, it should be the uh, exactly. character That's what of a novel too. or something like that. It's not spelled the same way as when you win money. Well, see, that's, but it's what, close makes, enough. that's what makes it cool. Yes. So uh, he became the first two hundred fifty thousand dollar winner of Legend Bay Casino's Mega Wheel promotion, which right. is that one where you spin the wheel and it comes up on a number. The carnival game, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Really, no skill. You just hey, sit back you know and let them spin it. Hey. Yep. What? You, you were smart enough to play the game. Yes. How's that for skill? And we're going back a little ways here because I didn't get to this last time. Uh, a two hundred twenty-five thousand dollar ninety-one two hundred twenty-five thousand ninety-one dollar jackpot at Chumash Casino Resort on Valentine's Day, uh, playing blackjack. Okay. Uh, so he uh, hit the two hundred twenty-five thousand dollar. They say it was a progressive. They didn't say whether or not he actually did do the side bet in the press release, but so far, you know. Now we have the Suncoast Hotel and Casino in Nevada. We have a Pi Gal Poker jackpot. Pi Gal Poker. First one of the day. I haven't played that in a while. You know, I was getting into it. I was trying to learn it, but, you know, I kind of, you know, got distracted and things like that. So, you know, I got to get back into it. We've got a queen high seven card straight flush Mm -hmm. in Pi Gal Poker. Mm $147,035.78 jackpot. And uh, it was actually a progressive that takes into account all the other Boyd properties, too. Oh, okay. So, and there is there's at least five in Nevada right now. Everyone's getting very creative with their yes. progressives. Everyone's tying everything yep. in. The companies are tying everything in, and now with cashless gaming too, and that kind of kind of it's all one thing now. Online, you can yes. uh, there's multi platform things now. It's 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 pretty exciting time. Yeah. Uh, staying in Nevada, we're going to Harris, Las Vegas. All right. We've got Joel Less winning one hundred forty three thousand forty two dollars playing. The Ultimate Texas Hold'em table game. Another Ultimate Texas Hold'em winner. It was a Royal Flush Progressive, so he did the side bet as well. Okay, good. Uh, Going over to Paris, Las Vegas, we now have Daniel P. winning $131,800 after playing Locket Link slots. And he was playing only for a little while, they said. I've seen Locket Link slots over in Bally's in Atlantic City. They have like a Locket... They have so many different things. They call yeah. it a lounge yeah. and stuff like that. It's a, qu- um, it's a quarter of the gaming floor. This was, I said just after a little while, I was going to get to this, 30-minute long playing time. He sat there 30 minutes waiting for his son to See, go to a bachelor waiting party. For, uh, waiting for another person. To See, go to his bachelor how party. Many, how many jackpots have been won for people waiting for other yep. people to show up? Exactly. So, you know. So if you're waiting for someone yep. else... Sit down, you know, you'll probably win. We're going to stay in Vegas, Flamingo. Okay. 
we have a Caesars Rewards member hitting $117,492 major progressive jackpot on I Love Suits. Okay. I've heard that one before. Yes. Yes. And we're going, now we're going to finish up in California. We don't normally finish up in California, but I figured this time we can. Yeah, sure. Uh, Temecula, California. We're going to Pachanga. I've heard of that. Yep. I've never played there, but uh, we have a mother of six children. Okay. Winning one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Great. Playing the Happy Lantern Lights, Happy Lantern Lightning slot machine. That's a very interesting one. It's okay. the um, it's an Asian theme with the the oh those okay la- lanterns. Oh, I know what you're talking the about. Asian now. lanterns. All right. Okay. Really cool. Really cool game. It was actually one hundred and twelve thousand one hundred one dollars and seventy three. Well, good for her. I with six kids, yes. certainly you know that money will come in handy. And last but not least, we have one lottery story to hit. Virginia Lottery. Okay. We have Gerard of Richmond. Gerard H. of w- Richmond is, I don't, I don't want to say his last name without permission from the lottery, but Gerard H. Yep. of Richmond, $785,414 wow. playing Lucky Golden Multiplier. He won the championship jackpot of that game. There's different levels to the Lucky mm-hmm. Golden Multiplier that was just recently introduced by the Virginia Lottery, not too long ago, a couple of months ago. Yeah. So we actually have a... Winner of the Lucky Golden Multiplier, the largest one they've handed out under that game. Do you know how many lotteries and table games and slot machines, especially yep. online, are now called Lucky and Shamrock and because uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up? Yes. The, the great thing about it for people who haven't played online casinos is that like it, every holiday they have these themed uh, slot machines or themed games you can play, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Right now, it's we're in March, so we're coming up to St. Patrick's Day. Everything's lucky. Everything's shamrock. There's also if Irish I see, eyes. I, yeah, I, Book I, of Irish. If I see those. one more uh, leprechaun on my yep. uh, computer screen, I'll... I'll throw up, but you know it, it's it's all all lucky. This it all it's all green. Well, don't, and everything. don't forget. There's also the uh, there's also there's a whole line of games. Uh, Finn, Lucky Finn, or whatever the guy's mm-hmm. name is. Yeah, uh, we got time for one more, and it's a lottery jackpot okay. that that includes a casino, so it's a combo. Did someone buy a lottery ticket at a gift shop? No, no. Okay, nope. all right. Thirty-one year old resident of Princess Anne County. In Maryland, all right, uh, was at the Ocean Downs Casino and left around one a.m. All right, she had just won eleven thousand dollars at the casino. Good for her. On her way home, okay, she stopped in one of the the re- uh, convenience stores and she bought a lottery ticket. You know, when your luck's going that good, yep. you want to keep it up. Yep, and good it was and it wasn't a draw ticket; it was a scratcher. Okay, so she did the uh, she did a scratcher at the uh, convenience store. Wearing the same clothes. She put that in the press release. She was wearing the same clothes. Never went home to get changed You're lucky. or anything else. You got the luck on right you. There. You got the luck on yep. you. What'd she do? $100,000. Wow. Good for her. So good her luck her. was there all night. What a, what a great night. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to all our winners this week, uh, especially the last one we just talked yeah, about, winning boy. at the casino, good. then winning at the lottery. That her. doesn't happen too yeah, often. Yeah, good for her. Well, that'll do it for us this week on House of Cards. We'll see you next time on House of Cards. Drive as far
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.